Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast, where we help fathers move from fear-driven responsibility to high-performance fatherhood. I am your host, Troy Woods. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm glad that you all are here for this episode. Listen, um, I'm excited about this one. I had a chance to sit down and talk with my good friend Derek Calloway about his journey of fatherhood. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to have him on this episode is because I really admired what he's been able to do um, as a father. But something that's interesting or some interesting points rather that I want you guys to get from this episode is to listen to some of the tools and wisdom that he's gained through his journey of fatherhood and how not only has he allowed uh, those tools to help him to be more of an effective father, but also transition those things into helping him to be a youth baseball coach. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let's get into it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast. Um, this one took a little while to do. I don't really know why it took a while, but um, I wanted to get this interview in for some months yeah i've known today's guest for some years indeed what do we say about Ooh, you're 17 ish ish yeah okay ish. um but the main reason i wanted to have him on an episode was because i believe um he has a lot of insight that he could offer he's somebody that i actually even though we're friends i look up to him um as you know Almost as a mentor, sometimes I think we get things twisted and thinking mentorship is meaning, you know, it's got to be somebody that's a lot older or somebody that's, you know, just on a different, way, way different level. Um, but in this journey of fatherhood, mentorship comes in all shapes and forms. Um, so I'm excited to have Derek Calloway on the episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast. What's up, brother? What's going on, Mr. Woods? It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be one of your guests on this podcast, one that's uh, very influential to, I know, a lot of people, myself included. So those accolades are definitely appreciated because they are reciprocated. So I appreciate pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. So when we when we talked about doing this episode, one of the things um, I said I was going to do was I wasn't going to really prep a lot of questions. And I asked him. He did ask him. So you about to get it. Because... <laughs> <laughs> And we'll, we'll, I knew this was going to be a very colorful conversation just yeah. because I, I know past conversations that we had. But man, I want to get right into um, kind of the crux of things and talk about fatherhood and what has your journey been like up to this point? You have two young men. I do. Um, which in today's world, um, makes fatherhood that much more important in my in, in my definition so um how's your journey been brother as far as as far as fatherhood uh it's definitely been just that it's been a journey um i remember the moment i became a father of course in the operating room you know my wife my beautiful wife shante shout out to shante uh giving birth mm -hmm. and you know during the, during the time of pregnancy in your mind, you're mentally preparing, you know, you read the books, you hear the stories, you you know, you hear everything about being a father, right? And you're mentally preparing, you're trying to get everything ready as a man of the man in the house, you're trying to prepare the house to make sure your wife is good and she's mm -hmm. protected and she's comfortable. Right. 
But the moment that <laughs> it and you laugh because you know what I'm saying. The moment that you're in the operating room and that being comes out of her body, and that's what it is. I mean, it's, she she has then created a baby, and this baby comes out, and you hear that baby cry for mm-hmm. the first time. At least for me, I heard my son Jackson cry for the first time, and it's like it all became real. To me, it became the moment that I realized I am now responsible, not only for my wife, and I give vows to her and I'll protect her forever, but I'm now solely responsible for this child's well-being. Every every decision I do, every action I make, every, you know, everything that I do, the way I walk, the way I talk, the way I talk to him, what I do in the world, coming, you know, leaving out, coming back home, all those are important things for him to be successful in this world and i'm now responsible to lead him to be a great man Mm -hmm. like that gravity hit at that one point at that one point in time and like it all became just real Mm -hmm. so it was a rush of emotions i mean i was i was crying like a baby i was Mm -hmm. literally we we both (laughs) Mm -hmm. jackson was crying i was crying because it just and it was such a feeling of joy like i I never really experienced tears of joy Mm -hmm. true Mm -hmm. tears of joy until i heard my son cry for the first time it was wow. the most amazing feeling moment I've had in my life. I, and I've had a lot of great experiences, but knowing that to hear him cry and hear him come to the world and now, hey, you know, hey, this is now your blessing. Mm-hmm. This is your child you have to take care of. Man, even now it gives me chills. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what do you, so with that, emotionally, when Jackson was born... Mm-hmm. Did it? Do you feel it? It tweets your emotional palate, as like, you know, because growing up as 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 men, young men, you know, you get into adulthood, um, into where we are now. Even when you're dating, you have certain emotions to the person that you're dating, and then sure. eventually you marry. But when you have a child, did any did you feel an emotional change when he got here? I did. Because, like I said, you know, you can have love for your parents, mm-hmm. love for your siblings, love for your friends, um, but the love you have for a child is unmatched. And again, I didn't, I didn't understand or didn't realize what that means. Mm-hmm. What that means to have unconditional love for another human being. And I, I love my wife to death, but. That that bond, that love I have for my child is just different. And then, you know, us, I mean, just being real, you know, us being black and having black boys mm-hmm. and knowing, you know, the past decade, what we've been through as a people, mm-hmm. what black men have been through as a people, that's even more of a responsibility to ensure that, you know, like, wow, this is a burden to make sure this kid is raised right. So having that kind of bond with my son, it was it, with my sons, you know, Carter and Jackson, mm-hmm. was instant, and it was something that I felt the moment that they both entered into this world, and it's something that just, it's just, it's so hard to describe. But to other fathers, they know. To other fathers that are there, right? They know that feeling of what Absolutely. it feels like. You know, did when when you um, and it may have been before, and the only reason we keep you know because Derek and Shante they have two children, Jackson and Carter. The only reason we keep referencing Jackson at this point is because he, you know, he's the oldest. Um, so this is to me, 
when you do that, it's 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 start it's the start of your fatherhood journey because we're definitely going to get into the topic of when you have multiples, when you have more than just the one, <laughs> right? And, and exactly. how that looks, right? Yeah. But um, when he was born, was there a time that you thought about your journey as a son, hmm. as it relates to your father? And what that looked like, and were there things that you were like, okay, these are some of the things I want to pull and apply, yep. and some of the things that I don't want to pull and apply. So naturally, by comparison, you know, you, you, me as a father, so I, I thought about things that I experienced in my childhood, right? And I thought about, you know, almost just like you mentioned, the things that my dad did well, you know, the the, the different times, the different kind of talks, and the. The sayings, and I mean, some. It's, I still remember some of the sayings to this day. Those things I pulled. Mm-hmm. The negative things of you know some of the things that he didn't do well, or mm-hmm. you know times he wasn't there. I use those as as clipboard moments, like all right, you know, mental notes, knowing that okay, I know that when I was young, this affected me. So okay, okay. As as a result, I ensure that okay, well, I know you know it's a, it it may not be. I may not be able to see it as a parent, but I know mm-hmm. when I was a kid, it was it was important for me to to for my parents to attend this, or mm. for me to be at this moment, or for me to say this. I hug I hug my kids every single day. Every single day, every single day, I tell my kids I love them. Every single day, they you know I say go out and meet great. I give them these little motivational talks, and not to say that you know my dad didn't do that. I mean, because back when we grew up in the you know in, the, in the 70s, 80s, early 90s, emotion, especially for black men, wasn't as prevalent. You know, mm. it wasn't something you just did, you know, because black men just, you know, hey, go out. They went out. They, you, you'd be a, a good provider for your family. You go work, you come home and eat your dinner, go to sleep, and go start do it all over again. But now we as dads, I mean, you've experienced this. You know, you got to go to work. You come home. You go to practice. You do homework. You do all these different things. Mm-hmm. So... It's important for me to be present. I want my kids to always know that I'm present. I'm here if you if you need to talk, if we need gotta go to practice, if you need to if you need advice, if you mm-hmm. have different questions, like whatever it is, I wanna be I want always wanna be present in that moment for these boys. I think um, emotional currency. Mm is really big with that. And I, I want to see, this is the danger when you know your guests really well and it's, <laughs> it's almost personal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and again, this is what I'm about to say is a reflection of you. Okay. But it's not anything against the missus. Okay. I can tell the emotional deposits that you make to your children mm. by the interaction I've had with Jax. Mm. When I the occasions where I've seen him and you haven't been around, okay, I've, I, and you can next time you talk to Kells, you can ask her. Okay, I said Jackson is a caring kid. And again, this is I haven't been. So for you guys to know, there's age difference between Jackson and Carter. Um, and Jackson, 
attends the same school as my daughter. Yep. So I, I see him sometimes, um, you know, separate of his brother. But he always comes up to me and he gives me a hug. I don't even really say anything to like I can say, hey, Jax. And I'm in a conversation. And the next thing I know, he's close to me. Yep. And I'm like, it speaks volumes that it's not a it's 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 normal for him. Yes. And I, you know, I often say that for better or worse, when you see children in public, mm. whether they're with their parents or not, they're showing you what happens at home. Wow. That um that hearing that makes me it just makes me smile because it, I always said when I had kids, like I made it a point. It, I don't believe in bad kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think kids can become bad based on the product of what happens in their household. But when they come out the womb, they don't know right from wrong. Absolutely. You know, they don't know, you know, these different things. I think it's taught in the house. Absolutely. So for me, like, I ensure that, you know, I, I instill, you got to instill values, morals into your kids. Mm-hmm. You can easily let the world raise your kids and you get, and get the result that happens, mm-hmm. right? You can let them, you know, them hang out with their friends and let them say whatever, do whatever. Mm-hmm. But we instill a, a, a very stern set of values and morals in our kids. And our kids have turned into very caring and, and nurturing and loving kids. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I don't have perfect kids, you know, but I like, I kind of like to think that my kids when in those environments when I'm not around, that they're going to do what they're supposed to do. It makes you feel good to it, know. Oh, because yes. we were just talking off camera when we were setting up, like, a lot of times when kids are away from their parents, they do things they wouldn't do around their parents, yeah. right? And yeah. it it was real. And I'm I'm a real you know um, just because of my my childhood past. Like I tell people all yeah. the time, I can't say I had a bad childhood. Like I didn't right. grow up in a bad situation, but my family tried to over. To, I would say overcompensate for my dad not being there. Okay. Right. So from that regard, it's like. I didn't have a bad childhood, but there were things that as an um as an adult mm-hmm. now with children I'm realizing I didn't have. Yeah. And I, I like really try to Pour give in. give that, you know, to Clark who's who's my son, he's my oldest, and then even to Logan. Like even um because I realize and I think this is for the dads out there who are absolutely terrified about having daughters and the funny thing about this whole situation is out of our circle mm-hmm. like i'm the only one with a daughter you like know, i don't know how this happened y'all let me down no. <laughs> y'all really let I me make down boys that's what i do <laughs> make them strong <laughs> so right. but even you know um and we'll get into the sports thing in a little bit but even when we're riding in the car yeah a lot of times like now she's old enough she can be in the front seat okay a lot of times i'm just riding i'm just holding her hand you know just because mm-hmm. I realized that with our boys and girls, we're training them for their future. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, they get into relationships as adults. They don't know what to expect. They're trying to figure it out. Then I don't want to be a parent that watches my child get into a relationship mm-hmm. and accept something that I'm like, you shouldn't be accepting that. And then, like, maybe I didn't show you that. And that's the thing, like, you know, a lot of kids, 
they will act out because they are yearning for something they're not getting at home. They didn't get from mom. They didn't get from dad. That kind of attention, love, affection, listening, you mm-hmm. know, because sometimes we, sometimes it's easy for adults to dismiss kids emotions kids ideas absolutely you know kids thoughts and i think that was our generation yeah especially our parents generation growing up absolutely like yo go sit down go sit down what you're saying don't make sense you know right into a number of things i mean we won't get into them but i mean you know i think kids were so often dismissed Mm -hmm. so that's why whenever my kids have ideas thoughts whatever i always want to listen because you never know like that could be their way of communicating to you right you know of saying hey this because kids, kids today are kind of they're quirky. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta be in tune. You gotta be flexible to be able to receive whatever whatever kind of communication they're providing to you. Absolutely. So it's funny you say how you know you let Logan sit in that front seat and you hold her hand like you know Jackson now has gotten to the age he's too cool to hold Dad's hand. But Carter he'll still reach up and you grab my hand. And man, I'm telling you, when I say it melts me, it that I take. Every advantage of that because I know it's going to be a time in the yeah. next year or so he's like yeah you know dad you're not so cool anymore so yeah. I want to absorb all that time and try to like get all those moments of affection hugs and all the stuff I can yeah. and, and I'm that. still I'm still like and I could tell you know with Clark um, when I do that. It's the side hugs now. Yeah, <laughs> you get the church hug. I'm like, come in, bro. <laughs> nah, bring it in. Come, come all the way bring, in. Bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> cheek to cheek. Cheek to cheek. Right. And it's like, but what gets me mm-hmm. is, like today. Yeah. Um, I was down at the building and um, I had told him I said, yo, when you get up, shoot me a text, right? Okay. And then he'll be like, hey, dad. And he don't really want anything. He's just saying, hey. And I'm like. You know, I think it's so important for our children to just be able to contact us. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't have anything to say, nope. just know, all right, I can get my hands on it if I need to. I can call dad, I can call mom, whatever. Right. Um, And I never, you know, and I, I tell people that. I tell people in in my career, like, yo, you know my family comes first. Always. Like, I'm going to always do what I need to do. But and I'm always trying to plan things out so yep. stuff is not last minute. Yep. But if my kid like yo, this was because I know you know our kids have access to so much stuff now. Yep. It's kind of scary because before it's like they go outside and they play with the neighborhood kids and you kind of okay this one may be an issue but the most the most of them are cool. Now they got access to everybody around the world yeah. and it's almost like. It's almost like you have to constantly, I don't want to use the word program in a negative way, but you have to constantly make sure you're instilling your values because you could take some days off and some stuff can get downloaded real quick. And you're like, Easily. Well, who is this kid? Easily. And that's the thing, because you got to think when we were younger, like you said, we would go outside and our parents could control the environment. They yeah. could control the friends in the neighborhood and who we saw because there was no Internet. You know, there was no phones. Yep. You wasn't going on, you know, downloading this and downloading that. But, like, now, like you said, the kids in their palm have access to the world. The world. Good, bad, or indifferent. So, the only way you can kind of help guide it is mm-hmm. if you, like you said, like you mentioned, you're constantly instilling these values. And you're constantly instilling. Because, I mean, Jackson, you know, he was at his aftercare. And one of the kids was looking at something that they deemed to be inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And Jackson's like, oh. 
whoa, nah, I, I can't look at this because it's, it's not cool. Mm-hmm. And he was able to walk away. So, and that's now the stage I'm at with him to ensuring that he doesn't succumb to peer pressure. Just because your friends are doing it doesn't mean you have to. And it's okay for you to kind of walk away. Right. You know, so now I'm at that stage with him. Carter's still kind of that innocent stage, you know. Mm-hmm. But just making sure that, you know, we're always checking in with them to ensure that, like, you know, don't don't succumb to peer pressure. Yes, you, you, you can be on YouTube and you can watch all this stuff. You have access to a laptop or an iPad that can get to the world, but you don't have to access all that bad stuff. That's right. the things we got to, you know, constantly instill in them and make sure that they're good. Um, Just today I was in having a... It, I'll tell you more details later, but I was around a um, situation um, or a meeting where they were talking about the Gen Zers today. And mm-hmm. I know our kids, I, I don't know all these age ranges for I the know. different groups, but I think our kids are not in that group. Okay. I think they will be considered the next generation. What is that? What is after Gen Z? Was, it was millennials, which was past us. We're not. Yeah, the we're millennials, not God, are we old? <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a category? <laughs> I don't know. Saying. Like it was Gen Z, millennials, and Gen baby X. boomers. Boomers, yeah, I think, baby. were our parents. Yep. I don't know what we are. I don't know where we are. Either. All right, but, but we're doing just fine. Okay. All right. Yeah, we made it. But <laughs> high five. Um. But I was listening to this conversation where it was basically millennials and the group older than millennials having a conversation with this group of what were deemed as professional people in the Gen Z generation. Mm. And they were discussing how people outside of Gen Z can reach their generation. Mm. And I was kind of like, and some of the things I was hearing is like, yeah, you know, when it comes to employment, it's, it's like, we want to be heard. We want to be, you know, um, we want to have input. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the topics was like in a social setting or more of a um, an association type thing. How can we get Gen Zers involved more? And it was it was like, well, we want to know what we're getting out of it. And I was just like, to me, it was a very selfish approach. Yep. But then I'm sitting listening to this conversation sure. and I'm thinking about my kids like, yo, like because the 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 calming factor with me, because I was getting upset. I was like, are we really here? Because I'm watching this older generation listen to them and they're like, well, they're coming in the workforce. So we have to listen to what they want. And so I'm starting about values and different things like that. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, wait a minute. I think our kids are outside that window. So we have a chance to course correct right some of these things as our children enter into the phase where they're going into going into college going into work and different things like that how do you feel about i I did all that to ask how do you feel about both of us are in tune to listening to our children but there's still a parental aspect that we apply yep how do you feel about that now and and seeing today's cultures a lot of the teachers that our children may be interacting with are in that Gen Z culture. That's true. How do you feel about um, that notion of just 
you don't have any skin in the game yet. You don't have any longevity, but you're dictating so many things that people are bending to. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, a lot of times, you know, we, and Chante and I talk about this a lot. Like, mm-hmm. the balance, having that balance with raising your kids. And the, the situation you just mentioned lends to the idea of having a sense of entitlement. Okay. You know, as kid for kids going into teenage, going into young adults, like they think they're entitled to certain things. And even with our kids, like we try to ensure, like we try to give them everything, mm-hmm. you know, because Shante, you know, grew up in the deep South, you know, very humble beginnings or whatever. I guess I grew up in middle class. So I, I want my kids to have things, but not have too much mm-hmm. because when you have too much, you expect to have certain things, not realizing that, well, when daddy was a kid, was a kid or when mommy was a kid, like they had to work for certain things. And right. as they became young adults, they had to work for certain things. Mm-hmm. So trying to instill that notion of, and then to them that not everything is just flat out given to you. You got to go out here and work for some things. And that goes just for life in general. You know, it's not going to be like, you know, you're going to grow up in a nice home and, you know, you're going to have, you have all these nice things if you don't work for it. Mm-hmm. So trying to to balance that, like I want to be able to listen to my kids and my kids be able to confide in me and listen to me, but know that, okay, at certain times I got to take my, my friend cap off mm-hmm. right, and be dead. And you got to do things because I know this is the right thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. Don't sit here and question me about it. So, cause I don't, I, I want to have that balance. You know, I want to be the dad that raises the kids well, Mm-hmm. But also the dads that, you know, I can listen to them and kind of come down to their level. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I never want to be in this stage where I'm always talking to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because I kind of remind Shantae last. I always say I said, stop talking to them. You know, mm-hmm. start talking at them. And, you know, you know, talk to them, communicate to them. You don't have to be talking at them mm-hmm. all the time. I don't want to be stuck in any one phase. I want to be fluid in the way we raise it, with the way I raise and talk to the kids. And that's you know, it's kind of the notion I go with. But, mm-hmm. I do notice that there is more of a sense of entitlement that they think that certain things, you know, can happen all the time. Like a good example was this weekend we were out, I was outside, you know, doing some yard work. And when <laughs> I was younger, right? Mm-hmm. If my dad was outside, we all outside. Right. Working, right? And I'm outside, you know, I'm busting my tail, I'm trimming bushes, breaking stuff up, and I come back in, I'm sweating, you know, everything I'm coming in to get a break and get some water. And Jackson's in there Mm-hmm. With video games, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, when I was younger, if my mm-hmm. dad was outside, we all was outside working. I said, mm-hmm. did you even ask me if I need any help with it? He mm-hmm. said, no, no, I didn't. So I go back outside, and he comes back out, and he helps me. He said, hey, what do you need help with? But then I realized he's never been taught that. There you go. He's never been taught to say, hey, well, I'm supposed to help around in the house. Like he has to be taught, like, all right, I have certain chores I got to yeah. do. I got to help around the house. I got to help mom. Like, if, if I don't teach him these things, he won't know what to do. So I can't fault him for not asking. Yeah. And so that was a lesson for me this week. I was like, oh, okay. I've been through that. And I can still go through that. And he came outside and he helped. And he was willing to help. And he actually did a pretty decent job. Yeah. So they I'm, like it. They like it. Yeah. And it's and for us, like, it was me and him in that moment. It was kind of a bonding yeah. time. And I was like, all right, my bad. I need to get you out here more often. And yeah. it was it was, it was was so it was a cool, cool kind of moment. Yeah, I mean, I think kids... I think, because um, I, I, I'm, Jackson is how old? Jackson is a, 10. Okay. So Clark, Clark about to be 14, bro. 
That boy about to be 14. Two more years. Inch in a month. I told you. About to eat you out of the house or home. Oh, about to. (laughs) If the car stay ready. It's the car. Look at Kelly like, again? Right. But um, I noticed probably around, you say he's how old? 10. 10. About 11-ish. Maybe close to 12. He started like getting in, like, yo, come outside. And then he wanted to, Dad, can I wee whack? Dad, can I do this? Can okay. I do this? Everything. So it was almost like a, you're right. Like, it's so much we just, I don't think we remember that we were taught. We yeah. just don't remember doing it. We just remember doing it. Exactly. Like, that was just what we did. Exactly. Right. Great point. But when they get involved, it's that, even though it's work, it's like, yo, I'm out here with my man getting, and, and Teaching them a sense of pride, and bro, when people pull up to the house, how that joint look is a reflection of you. Exactly. You know what I mean? And um, Clark's pretty meticulous about things I noticed, mm. which is cool. Like, I'll go down his bedroom, and my office are right across the hall from each other, so I'll like smell like cleaning stuff, and I look, I open the door, and this dude's in the cleaning his room, like cleaning his desk off, and I'm like. Nice. I told Kelly, I got to nurture this yeah. because, I mean, he'll have his slob moments. Don't, don't get it twisted. Like, dude, what is this? Right, right, right. What is this? What is this? <laughs> but um, I think what you said is really important about that bonding time. Yeah. It, like, I, I think innately men, young boys, mm-hmm. that outside, like, it's intriguing. Like, you know, just like we like yeah. to cook out or we like to do different things like, you know, the mountain biking or whatever. Yeah. We complain that kids are inside all the time because we inside all the time. Yeah, true. We comfortable. Sure. Yep. And the house needs to be clean. Hey, what time can y'all come over? You know what I'm saying? We we don't do, and that's a fault I looked at for me. I'm like, man, I remember my grandfather was a very integral part in my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I remember, man, when I started driving, we were living in D.C., on Saturdays, whichever Saturday it was, he wanted me at the crib. I want to be, say by eight. It might have been seven, but I want to say eight to help him cut the grass. Mm. If I showed up at eight ten, he was already in the yard cutting. So now you feel bad because right. your grandfather outside. Yep. Cutting the grass. But there was a um, a pride that he took in keeping certain things a certain way, and I think sometimes. I I don't want to say struggle with, but I don't want to drive my kid out the house. Like when they turn 18, I'm out. And that's always right. been something that's in my mind. So it's that balance of it's a good point. Of creating a nurturing environment that you don't want to leave, but then being a parent, like, yo, you, these are some of the responsibilities that you have. And that sometimes it's not a struggle, but I just have to be conscious of it yes. because I can it's easy to be like, yo, man, what's going on? And then you look and it's like you playing games and I'm out. I'm past this age where I should be doing this. Take right. trash out. Right. You know, like I came home the other day and the trash was at the curb. And I just pulled up like, I ain't had to tell him this time. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Um, so I think it's a, a lot of times we put too much maybe on the kids. And it's our responsibility to teach them, like you said. And then once they get the information, now... The onus is on you to follow up and do what you're supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? But see, you know, and to that point, because I talked to my mom about this. Okay. And, you know, she was saying, well, you got to teach him these things. Because she said, you know, when you were younger, 
you know, you wanted to get out there and do these things, but you still, you still had to be taught to come outside and do these different tasks. And I think we, I, I think the problem, I'm not gonna say the problem, but I think our generation of parents, you know, with so much going on in the world, with so many, um, you know, negative influence and negative things in the world, we just tend to, by nature, shelter our kids more. Right? I would agree with that. Because you think about it, I mean, I was a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. So mm. by, by third grade, I was walking a mile home from school to the house. Wow. Had my own key and I was third, maybe fourth grade. I don't know. But it, at a very young age, I had, I was a latchkey kid. I was going home and, you know, and, uh, you know, fixing my own lunch after, you know, after school and the whole nine. If at the age I was doing that, if I was at that age now doing that, they would call a child protective service on my parents. Yeah. You know, so we just by by nature Your are responsibility more, started earlier. Exactly. So we we were giving more of a of a leash to be more responsible at a younger age. Right. right? Whereas now we have to shelter because there's just so many crazy things happening in the world. Mm-hmm. But we may be sheltering almost to to a fault. You know, to to it where and it enables them to. To not be self-sufficient, not be self-sustaining. That's a good point. On things, so you, so there is a balance that I think we have to find to say, okay, well, yeah, I want to protect you from the things, but you also have to be able to do things on your own, you know, mm-hmm. and allow them to to learn to mess up things. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's a tough battle. It's mm-hmm. a tough struggle to kind of you know have that that in between balance, but it's one that you know between Chante and I, we're really we really struggle with. Like I said, she wants to give him everything because she, she grew up from nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say nothing, but just humble beginnings. So she wants to buy him everything, do everything. I'm like, well, no, let's let them earn this. Mm-hmm. You know, they, every time they ask for a certain thing, we don't need to give it to them. Mm-hmm. Let them do a chore. You mm-hmm. know, and once they master these chores, give them some more. You mentioned trash cans. I told Jackson, um, <laughs> I think it was last, last month, mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to come home and I see empty trash cans on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. I come home, you, you like once the trash if, if you're at home trash cans have been empty get them up and since then i have not seen trash cans up so they i think they then start taking pride in certain things they be like hey daddy you know did you see this you see how i did this they get prideful in what they're doing to try to impress me as a dad mm-hmm. and that and it does i'm like that's pretty cool rather than being like all right, I got to go and do this again. Mm-hmm. So I try to balance it to where it's kind of a cool thing to do rather than something that, all right, well, I want to do this. So I don't get yelled at. So that that's, as they get older, I'm, I'm starting to learn, you know, how to have that particular balance. Man, what, what, um, what scares you as a father? That's a loaded question. Um, what scares me as a father is my, my boys becoming teenagers and, them leaving the house and not coming back home. That's the most scariest thing, the most scariest thought I have as a dad. It's not scary now because I can, we control their movement, right? But it's going to be a time in the next four or five years where they're going to leave out and I, I'm going to be praying that they safely come back home. And that's something that our parents didn't have to experience. That our parents didn't have to experience the notion of us being of them being concerned about our well-being when we weren't in their presence that's now a burden on us as parents especially as parents of black boys and girls so that's to me that's the single most thing that i'm worried about thought that i'm scared of yeah i, th- I think man um 
I'm with you. Like, your boy. I don't even know if I told you this. Your boy Jeff was up when he was up here. Yeah. You know he let Clark drive the truck. Fully drive it. Fully drive Let's it. Let's go. Let's go. I, I hope social services don't see this. But <laughs> I'm like. Shout out to Jeff. Right. And um, <laughs> we pulled over. You know, Jeff got that big 2500 series truck, right? Yep. So we went. The big boy. We went to Top Golf. Mm-hmm. We're pulling up. We getting in my neighborhood where my neighbors live with their cars on the street. Ooh. You see where I'm going? Yeah, yeah. And he's pulling in. I'm in the passenger seat. Jeff's driving. Clark's in the back. So we turn down, you know, my main street, and he kind of ducks off on one of the side street. I'm like, bro, you know, I don't, I'm like, what are you doing? He was like, I'm like, what are you doing? He go, Clark, you ready to drive? And Clark looked like th- that sloth. They go, like. <laughs> Right. He was like, yes, yes. Uncle Jeff. Uncle's <laughs> rule. <laughs> right. So I'm like, me, I'm like this. I'm on my app like, do I have insurance like, oh, for this? <laughs> so Clark gets in the front seat. Jeff gets in the back seat. Nice. I'm in the passenger seat. I'm like, you get a front row view. do it, right? Right. He drives a truck home. He comes out the side street. From that side turns street. Turns the side street onto my main street. I ain't going to say it because y'all know where I'm at. Right. Turn, goes down the street. And he's doing so well. I'm like, put it in the driveway. Turns out Joker up in the driveway and parks the truck. I said, these video games was, have a use. Look, I was going to say, you know he's a stone cold beast on Forza, so it makes sense. Man, I'm like, and I'm, I'm, so in my mind, it sped things up. Like, mm. yo, this dude might be getting out soon. Yeah. And, but I already told him, I said, y'all ain't driving on your own at 16. Because it, it's too much that they, too many distractions that they have now versus when we started at 16. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit, we, like, even when I was riding motorcycles, like, cell phones really became a thing as far as, like, the data and, yep. you know, the iPhones and all that. That was 07. I started right. riding, like, what, 05 or something like that. Right. So, you can imagine when I started driving, we had to bag phones or whatever, but that was it. You had yeah. pages. I had to stop and call you. It wasn't a lot of distractions. Right. Now I'm like, man, it's just people ain't even looking at the road. You Ooh. drive by people, they looking down at their phone. I'm yeah. like, so it started making me think like one day, sooner rather than later, this dude's gonna be out here and yeah. and I'm gonna be up thinking like, yeah. man, come on, like you know, and I don't wanna be overbearing. Sure. But that's why to me it's always been important to create a sense of wanting to be home. Like, yeah. don't do, because sometimes you know you see some kids they just leaving the house they just don't want to be home. Sure. They just running out and they usually running towards the wrong thing. Yeah. Right. I know you're gonna have to go out or you're gonna have your activities and stuff like that. But I always want home to feel like a welcome space. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, even if you, because I noticed even in other cultures, that's something that other cultures do that we traditionally don't. Like What's you that? see, you see a lot of. Parents say, you 18, you, oh, you got to do what you got to do. And then you see, just in through my creative business and different things that I've seen working with different people, like you might go to a wedding and the daughter might have just moved out at 26 mm-hmm. or the son because the parents created an environment where we want you to kind of have your footing before we throw you out here in the world. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. life is already hard enough. Thinking back, we weren't ready at 18 to do life. No, not at all. But that's the age. Yeah. 
And I mean, I agree. I mean, you you know, I'm I'm not going to be so anxious to kick my boys out and you know have them go into the world, assuming that they continue on the path they're on now. Right. Right. Now, you know, if my kids are being just jerks, and, right? You know, disrespecting me, disrespecting my mom. You got to go. Right. There's only one king in this castle. Absolutely. But, I mean, if they're on the path that they're on now, which I anticipate they will continue to go on, then sure. I mean, I want my kids to, to feel like, all right, you know what? You know, guys, instead of us going to hang out in the street, let's, let's come home. Come to my house. Right. Come hang out, you know, and come do your thing and feel comfortable. And be respectful. I mean, I'm not going to let my kids be down in my basement and partaking in all these drinks I have down here in my, <laughs> <laughs> in my yeah, house. Where's, where's the thing I had on the right? <laughs> yeah, I don't see it no more. I'm going to have mark, little tick marks in my bottles. Actually, <laughs> I ain't drinking my stuff. But um, but I want my kids to feel like you know, I always I always tell my kids like, you can talk to me, right? Meaning that if you make a mistake, tell me about the mistake. It's all right, you know. We'll we'll go on. We'll learn from it. But don't don't mm-hmm. make a mistake and then lie about the mistake. Absolutely, that's when we got a problem. You know right. what I'm saying? So that's until I apply that to when they get older. Like you know, come you can come and talk to me about anything. Like you can come. This can be a safe space mm-hmm. for you. I don't I don't want them to be when they walk across that stage. They got their backpack and they're in the car and on a flight to, to the first thing, smoking to their college or wherever they're going. And they just wilding out. And, and right, because because yeah. they were so, you know restricted while they were younger right and they couldn't do anything right but again i'm not gonna let them go buck wild and do their own thing so right. we're, it's always gonna be balance. balance it's always gonna be balanced yeah man i want to kind of get in um get into real quick because um this is a part i don't know if, and i don't want to i want to be careful when i say this because yeah. i'm not trying to downplay anybody's situation but having even though you know you have two sons i have a son and a daughter um having children in competitive sports (laughs) and then yeah and i'm not sure about carter totally but Mm -hmm. i know jax's schedule yeah and then you know with Logan at gymnastics. Yep. How do you find that balance when you have one child mm-hmm. that's go 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 practices multiple games on the weekends, tournaments out of town, in town. Yep. And you have another child who may be playing sports, but they might not be at the same. Like you might not have two kids in travel sports or right. whatever. Like, have you? Is there a balance that you thought about or like? dealt with like that, guilt guilt that might come with it or man that is a phenomenal question um and one that i haven't been asked but it's one that i'm faced with because as you mentioned like jackson is probably the most serious that so both my kids in baseball mm-hmm. so they and they both play for a travel team mm-hmm. let me start with that okay jackson is the most serious i seen baseball. the chain bro <laughs> Seen the chain. The chain is everything. Right. I, I knew it. I said, oh, he in it. The chain, you know, baseball, the uh, sunflower seeds, the whole nine. Yeah. Right? So Jackson, I mean, so, he, and he's, you know, he's a, he's decent. He's, he's pretty good at the sport. And Carter, you know, he, he, he shows up. Right. He's, he's there. Right. Right. So it's been a tough balance because I've always helped out with Jackson's teams. So yeah. I've been, you know, the assistant coach or, you know, on mm-hmm. all his teams. 
And now that Carter's there playing, and, and Carter would show up to the games and, you know, be there with, you know, Shantae, he and Shantae would be on the sidelines cheering on. But now this season, Carter's playing too. And sometimes their games or practices would be on the same day. So it's like, all right, well, I can't be in two places at the same time. Right. So it's like, you you know, you almost have, I'm not going to say you got to make a choice, but like, yeah, when you make, so I'm wearing a shirt. And the shirt, you know, I don't know if the camera can see it, but, you know, it says my favorite player called me coach. I have now developed an affinity for all of Jackson's kids. And I love what Carter's doing with, you know, with his, with his yeah. team. But when I commit to something, especially to when you when you tell a kid you're going to do something, yeah, you got to follow through. Absolutely. If I say, hey, I'm signing up, I'm volunteering, I'm, I'm going to be a coach on this team, you will see me at the practices and the games, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. It has to be hella high water for me not to do, not to fulfill my obligation that I told these young boys that I would do. Mm-hmm. So the decision was kind of made for me. So I, you know, I go to all of Jackson's practices and games, and then when they're not practicing or having games, I didn't go to Carter's games. Okay. I feel kind of bad for Carter because I don't get to see all of his stuff, mm-hmm. right? And I don't get to work with him as much as I do with Jackson, and that's a sacrifice. Right, mm-hmm. you know, at least one of like one of us will always be there. Like, so mm-hmm. if we have to divide and conquer, she goes with Carter, I go with Jackson. But you know, when I'm not at Jackson stuff, I try to try to go to Carter's. But it is that's tough because while Carter isn't that serious, Carter's still good. I mean, he's mm-hmm. I think of my two kids, and they'll probably see this one day. And I'll, I'm told <laughs> it's all people. love, kids. It's, <laughs> it's all love. Daddy loves you. Trust me. <laughs> Daddy loves you. But I mean, Carter, Carter, I think will be more athletic than Jackson. That's funny. You know, and it's just kind of crazy like that. But I don't get to see all of this stuff. And that it tears me up. But it's like, I, what do you do? You know? It's a, it's a tough balance, man. Um, shout out to all the parents that have kids. Yeah, and not just yeah. competitive sports, but like travel or, you know. Because, man, I'm going to tell you, this, like this gymnastics journey, brother. I tip my hat. Man, I had no idea. Because Kelly handled... Like, okay, so when Logan started, we were doing the classes at Sportsplex, right? Yep. Where you go up, like, once, twice a week for an hour. You do the little classes. They had, like, you know, bronze, silver, gold, maybe platinum. I don't remember. But, you know, she y'all know she's always been climbing everything, flipping, and all. That's always been, like, her thing. Right. So, Kelly was like, you know, my wife, I want to look at the teams. I'm like, all right, whatever not paying any attention to it. Mm-hmm. So Kelly advocated for her because she was like a little bit, she was older than what they would normally want to bring onto the teams because they like to start them really younger. Oh. And so Logan's always been like really strong. Right. So right. I said, I know if she gets into it, she can do it, but I had no idea what was at stake and what it was going to take to do this sport mm. to the point where I would say it's probably, I can't think now I know in, UFC and boxing, you're getting hit. In football, you're getting hit. Mm-hmm. But the preparation, I don't know if there's, and I was just a personal trainer that came in and talked to all the parents. I don't know if there's another sport that puts that much prep time into what a performance day totals five minutes. Wow. Wow. Five, five minutes. Five minutes, and you can do all these different things. In prep. five minutes. For five minutes. It's four rotations. Each rotation, none of them longer than a minute. That's crazy. Or, you know, maybe a little bit longer for the floor, whatever. So, I said all I have to say, part of my guilt hmm. is that 
my daughter is the youngest, mm-hmm. but I have an older son. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, it's like practices of four hours, four times a week. Right. Mm. So that's 16 hours. Not to mention they have a competition that weekend and you got to go do that. Right. Right. Well, I don't I go to practice a lot of times and I stay work out, do work, whatever, because all the back and forth is just insane. Yeah. But I have a son. Right. Now, when he was in soccer, his practices would fall in between her drop off and pickup time. So I was able to do both. Right? Okay. But I'm like, I have to make sure that I'm not neglecting him. Because I'm spending so much time. And then we go to these practices. I mean, these meets. We're there for four hours. And he's there. And I'm like, you know, I I just, that pull, like, man, you know, so I'm always trying to involve him. And that's why I was like, I think out of everybody I know, for the length of time that we've been doing it, you probably will understand that pull, man. Like, it's, it's crazy, bro. Like, yeah. You know, I, I struggle with it. Um, and then it's like, well, we got to do this with Clark. And then you start looking like, the time. Like, where are we going to get the time? Right. Like, you know, they they this four inv- days right here. Can't invent more hours in a day. You know, and so then it's like, okay, well, I feel guilty trying to align his schedule with hers. Right. Because, you know, like, okay, so that means now we're running seven days a week. Yep. You know, and so... That's why I was interested to get your your take on how it is to have two kids and one is typically not that they're more committed, but it's a it's a, more of a requirement yes. for them to be there. So yeah, and it's you know, it, luckily it hasn't ha- it hasn't come to the point where Carter has said, "Well, why don't you come to my game versus right. his game?" He he right. hasn't he's still young enough to where he's not asking that, and I'm hoping by the time that he is old enough to realize that. I can then be back in daddy role for mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. That's where I eventually I want to be. They both get, got into baseball. I've never played baseball a day in my life. Really? Never a day in my life. But I am a baseball coach. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to talk about that. I didn't know that. <laughs> never played a day in my life. But you know what? My only sport that I played was basketball. Okay. And uh, proudly enough, you know, Jackson played basketball for the first time this past uh, fall. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was great. And he and you know, one is I think his first game was at my alma mater, at you know, my high school. Wow. But the point to where you know they're both kind of looking at me to be at their games. I want to do that. Like if I have to like go to and, and I do that now. Like whenever from our logistics, our household logistics standpoint, you know, um, I go to all their practices. Mm-hmm. So that means Monday through Friday, if somebody has a practice, I'm the one taking them. Right, you know, I, 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 and I choose to do that. Absolutely, and it works. It works in our household. Like so, you know, as long as it doesn't, they're not conflicting on the same day. I want to at least be there. And then if I if there's no conflicts, I'm at all their different games. Mm-hmm. But um, it, I do want to get to the point where I can like attend every single game because I want to be there for all those moments. Mm-hmm. I don't want to miss any of them, you know, if I can. But um, they and we're still young enough in the household now where it's no emotional conflicts of like, okay, well, you went to all the Jackson's games, you know, why aren't you going to all of my games? Right. If Carter, Carter hasn't, you know, said that. I think he's still kind of oblivious uh-huh. to all that. So I'm just hoping that by the time he really starts maybe getting better or really caring, uh-huh. I'm in a lesser of a coaching role uh-huh. on Jackson's team and I can then attend both, you know, both events. I want to kind of finish things up with that really quick because I've, I've, um, as we came out of this past soccer season, um, Clark 
had aged out in the fall, so he couldn't play in the spring, but I went back to coach. Okay. And um, talking to some other guys, you know, other fathers who are coaching, have coached. But what's inter- what was interesting to me is that you say you never played baseball, and that's what I was I was trying to explain to dads. Like, you don't – and a lot of times as men, our egos, if we ain't really good at something, yeah. we don't really want to – but I'm like, bro, you got YouTube. It's not like you have to play with them. Nope. You just have to show them what to do. Yep. Real quick, explain like the impact of just being there for these kids. And not even biologically <sighs> yours. Man. It, but you're a coach, but yeah. you didn't play, but you're an effective coach. Like what what goes into that? Oh man, that's a great question. And I hope you got time because I, I got a lot on that topic. So um, this past weekend, uh, our head coaches could not attend, mm-hmm. right? And so I had to be the head coach for the baseball games on Thursday and on Sunday. Again, never played baseball a day in my life. So, I mean, I'm literally setting the lineups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm setting the pitching lineups. I'm setting the positions. I'm with the catcher. I'm calling I'm calling pitches, the, you know, the whole nine. Oh, wow. Okay. The whole nine, you know, in this game. And – you're calling the pitches too. I'm literally calling. I'm, I'm, you know, wow. I'm calling signs. I'm on third base doing all you know kind of crazy stuff. Wow, right? doing all that, and um, you know, at the end of the game, because you know it's Father's Day. We had the oh, game yeah, on right, Sunday, right, 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 right. It's Father's Day, and um, when it was all when the games were all done, you know, they they pulled me to the side and said, you know, you've been doing a lot for these kids. You've been, you know, the consistent factor as far as a coach goes. That's so dope, man. Man, and they started talking. They said, you know, we want to give you this shirt on, you know, behalf of what you've oh, been doing. Oh, that's where the shirt came from. Yeah, it came this Sunday. And we want to give you this car. And, you know, I read it. And, man, I'm telling you, like. You ain't lose it, did you? You lost it. He lost yeah, it. Yeah, I kind of lost a little bit. But cause it's, it's because, like, I just have such an affinity yeah. for these kids. And yeah. it's like, I feel like while, yes, my son plays on this team, I have, like, nine sons mm-hmm. that play. Because. Granted, I haven't played, but like you know, I've I've picked up the little different nuances. I know mm-hmm. what, okay, you know, if this kid's on third, I can send him home, but this one I can't, or mm-hmm. he can throw certain pitches. So you 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 learn these kids because you're with them, you know, three to four to five days a week. Mm-hmm. So you you develop these kind of bonds, and it's not me just coaching them from a baseball standpoint. You know, I say, hey, how you grades doing? There you go. You know, I know you had a test, you know, going on this weekend in class. You know, how did that go? Um, you know, how how you treat, you know, how's your relationship with your dad? Like, you don't, you can't talk to your dad or your mom in your kind of way. Like, how you treating your sister? Like, you just, it's much more about, it's not so much about baseball, it's more about life. There you go. You know, and while you, you may not know about a sport, like, and I, I commend you for coming back to, to soccer when, you know, when Clark is out. Because that shows that you care more about the kids than your kid being in that sport and being a coach dad. Like you care to give back and pour in because we have a lot of, to offer to these young kids from a mentor standpoint. Sometimes mm-hmm. having that father figure, that coach figure, that male figure goes miles with those kids. And they'll, while they'll go on in life and do all kinds of things, they will always remember what you poured into them, what you told them, that moment you gave them that pep talk, that moment you said, hey, I believe in you. To look in their eyes and say, you know, you can do outstanding things. That's what makes the, these these moments so special to me, and that's why I, I love you know being with those kids. I have, and I'm sure with over your time coaching, you've 
uh, maybe have experienced this, but um, the insight that you get as a a coach, one, mm-hmm. but a coach is also a dad. Yep. When you realize that these kids come from different backgrounds, they're like you're watching stuff play out in practice, and you're like, why is this kid doing this? Right. And then through one way or another, you find out this situation might not be ideal at home. Yeah. Or you start, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you you figure out, and I think that's the superpower of being a dad and a coach, mm-hmm. is especially if you're a dad and you have more than one child, you know you can't parent each child the exact same way. Amen. So when it comes to the players, it's like, Amen. I can yell at this one. This one gonna break down if I do that. So I can't do it. He gonna shut. I can't do it. So, like, is that yeah. you? You seen that too? With especially because y'all got what nine on the field. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then given time, we have like you know ten to eleven kids. And being you know having multiple kids, that is an outstanding point because I can say certain things to Jackson that I can't say to Carter. And on that baseball team, I can say you know and, and challenge kids in different ways, things that I know that will work for. You know, one kid that I know if I tell this other kid that he's going to melt down and get all in his head. So knowing the child psychology, because, like, you know, it's so funny. As coaches, we talked about this. Baseball at these younger ages isn't about baseball. It's about child psychology. Absolutely. And, and being able to be able to motivate these kids in a certain way and talk to them in certain ways. And, you know, knowing when to raise your voice, when to talk low, you know, calmly. Mm-hmm. You know, when to, you know make them run and do all these different things versus, you know, having teaching moments. And mm-hmm. and so the skills I've developed as a dad have conveyed on the baseball field. Wow. You know, and I, and the two, they are, they, are, they are linked. They're synonymous to one another because it's about uplifting, encouraging, motivating, you know, words of inspiration, motivation. Like it's just in teaching rather than just – yelling or you know because i get out there i'll run with the kids like i you mm-hmm. know i'm not gonna just tell you to do certain things that i can't do mm-hmm. like i said i can't i can't hit a ball far but i can show you the techniques to mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. but you know and as a dad you know i can teach you all the things that i've learned as a as a as a son and as a young man and apply those things to you in life to help you be better so the, the two up to me are synonymous being a good dad and being a coach go hand in hand man look this um I think we're going I, I want to do a round table soon. And I think we're going to do that with some other guys. Yes, indeed. I'm 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 going to step out and say I don't mean this in no kind of funny way or whatever, but this has been one of the dopest conversations nice. that I've had so far because I knew it was going to be um real. Yeah. You know, like I said, none of this stuff. Like I had some questions that I had jotted down. Did you ask him? Nope. <laughs> Nope. And, and he and he didn't give me the questions. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. It's on the phone. It's right here. I'm like, I ain't, I ain't looked at this phone one time. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, because yeah. I knew, like I said from the beginning, that your insight yeah. into fatherhood um, would be honest, and um, I know that there are some people that'll be able to glean from this and grow. Last and last sixty seconds. Um, what piece of advice? would you give to a new dad? I always ask this at the, um, usually at the end of a podcast, but what piece of advice would you give to that dad who's him and his significant other they're expecting their first child? Like what piece of advice would you give them? Be present. Um, being, anybody can, 
you know, can provide the, the sperm to make a kid, mm-hmm. right? But being a dad, being a father to that kid is, that's something that you, that, that, that is vital to that kid's existence, to that mm-hmm. kid's well-being, to that kid's, um, to that kid being special. So mm-hmm. I would say if, if I had to give, a, you know, some, some keen advice, be present, mm-hmm. be patient. You know, we live in a microwave world today. Mm-hmm. We want everything to be a quick fix, you know, something fast. Sometimes you got to just sit back, sit down with your kids and listen. Listen to what they say. Ask them what you think about this. And don't don't dismiss their feelings, their emotions, what they say. Listen to what they say. Because kids are smart. Very, very kids, much so. You know, kids are a lot smarter today than we were back in the day. So, you know, be patient. Take the time out. I mean, don't put the phone down. Have have that time. Sit when you sit down to eat with your kids. Sit down and just just talk to them. How was your day? Tell me, you know, tell me something exciting about your day, because they get more thrill out of that thinking that hey, well, daddy cares about what I did for the day, rather than just you know talking at your kids. Like he really wants to know what's going on. So be be patient, be present, listen to your kids because they're gonna tell you what's going on. So those are some like some some words of advice that that works for me and my kids, and you know like don't. Have have that patience to like to be able to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Kids are going to frustrate you. Be, being a new parent is, is hard. Mm-hmm. You know it can try your patience, but it's the most rewarding and fulfilling role you will ever play in life. So be patient and and, and be patient and enjoy every single moment. Because before you know, as you know, your kids are going to go from being knee high yep. to being your height or higher. Yeah. yeah. So be patient. Be present. Look, man, um, I appreciate you sitting you. down, man, having this conversation with me. Um, like I said, it, it's I enjoy it because we don't we we've never really done this before. No. We sit down and just talk man to man about this fatherhood thing. Um, and I appreciate you coming on, sharing, being transparent. And uh, like I said, I know um, there's some people out there, there's some fathers out there that are going to be able to learn from it and yeah. it's going to help them along their journey. So I appreciate you, brother. And I want to say, so he's giving me his flowers. I want to give Troy his flowers. So Troy is, he doesn't know this, but you are an extreme inspiration to to me as a dad wow. and to other dads out there because of what you're doing, your level of commitment and like how you, how you interact with your kids, you know, the things you're doing to ensure the bond that you have between you, between you and your kids. It's phenomenal. There's not a lot of people out here doing this. So, that's why when you mentioned this to me, I, I was jumping up down. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I want to be a part of it because what you're doing is something special. And I'm so glad. I'm so honored to feel to, to be a part of what you're doing. Thank you so much. That means a lot because you do things and it's like, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And it's to hear that from a peer. Yeah. This ain't about y'all see me when the cameras ain't on. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So that that it's almost like when I was saying about Car, um about Jackson earlier when you're not around. Y'all see me when the camera's not on. So to hear that come from that place means That's a lot, man. So I appreciate you. No doubt. All right, you guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode and we will catch you on the next one. Take care. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast. For questions or to send us a comment, please email podcast at highperformancefatherhood.com. dot com.